0: Welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast, a podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their lives. Each week, we will bring you provocative topics, engaging interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness to answer your burning questions. Each episode, you will leave with tangible tips and takeaways so that you can immediately begin to elevate and optimize your life.
1: Well, and, and, and I think that's one aspect of this. But mm-hmm. as I said, I think the, uh, the, 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 th- the thrust of this, it is, it is becoming an industry, is this is is new mental health treatment paradigm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think uh, more and more people are experimenting and more and more people um, are finding the benefits.
0: Hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. We have a good one today. I say it every week, but I think that this audience in particular will be really interested in this conversation. And I say that for a couple of reasons. This conversation goes into the nitty gritty and the depths of what addiction and depression, anxiety can look like for a family not not only the person that is it is affecting uh firsthand, but for the families and the friends that are involved. Today we have Dean Porter on the podcast. Dean Porter, you may not have heard his name before because he's a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. He is a businessman, an attorney. He is a father and he's also a financial advisor. But today we're talking about his experience in developing a company that we're gonna talk about today. In developing a company that helps to manage, prevent, and aid in the rehabilitation of depression, anxiety, and addiction therapy. He found a gap in the market of rehabilitation centers and realized that a lot of the rehabilitation centers that he has seen and in his experience and he has sent his children to are... By and large, they are to make money. And of course, we've heard that before follow the money, we get it. But at the end of the day, his passion for this project comes from his experience with his daughters or his daughter having experienced extreme addiction. And the reason, the way I got set up with Dean is through a friend, Chase Porter. If that name sounds familiar, that is because we had Chase on the podcast about a little over a year ago, who the episode is called Fancy Meth. And we go into all the details and her story of being addicted to Adderall. She set me up with her dad and she said, hey, you have to interview him. He is so knowledgeable in what he's doing building this business. We we mentioned this even jokingly, like often throughout the podcast. Dean is not a doctor and he is not a licensed clinical therapist by any means he is the businessman behind building the companies that would provide the services with the right people. I don't want anyone to think that he's giving medical advice or he is someone who is able to prescribe anything. He's not, I'm not, and Chase is not either. But we talk about why he has found things like ketamine, psilocybin, m- mushrooms, um, why he has discovered and the research that he has behind what What is it that... Why would we not go the mainstream route of recovery? Why would someone decide to move in a more uh, updated and new age way of thinking? And I think that what's so powerful about this episode is that we had multiple different generations in this conversation saying, hey, clearly this has become a, a money grab. And of course, there is the the road to hell is paved with good intentions and i say that with with full awareness that i am not struggling with addiction depression or extreme anxiety but i do know that people who build businesses want to make money and they want it to be successful but the great thing is is that dean is building these companies to to treat people the way that he wished that his daughter could have been treated in these situations either way I am so excited about this episode we go everywhere and make sure you're listening until the very end because we actually have a firsthand account of Chase going into her experiences of using uh using medical mushrooms to find a sense of I won't even get into it because I'll let her explain but if you haven't listened to the episode called fancy meth with Chase it is so interesting. She goes on. She has so many stories about her past, um, trouble that she got into, different rehabilitation centers that she went into, and her her entire backstory with that, and how we got involved in this conversation. But for those interested in the progress of the holistic medicine, uh, medical approach, those who are interested in big pharma, what is actually going on in the back end of businesses who are, you know, in the business of quote unquote healing, this is so. This was such a fun conversation. We talked for an hour and a half, and I I can't say enough good things about Dean and the fact that I felt so much more at ease and excited about the future of this type of medicine. It's an understatement. We're going to get into it. I hope everyone enjoys this episode. I know you will. If you can, it would mean the world if you would take a screenshot or share the link on your social media while you're listening. Tag myself or at Hotter Than Health Podcast and let us know your thoughts so that more people can find this episode. If this is your first time listening, welcome and make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you love to listen to podcasts. Without further ado, I am so excited to introduce to you Dean Porter. Welcome to the podcast. We're here to talk about how drugs can be good. Am I wrong? Uh,
1: well, we could... Do, well, that's <laughs> <laughs> Mostly you know, I just wanted to start it off with something. Uh, the, uh, we're, I, oh. we're talking about, I think, how... Uh, psychedelics, in particular, can help address uh, the mental health crisis that we have in this country today.
0: Okay, before we get into the details, who are you? Tell us about oh. yourself. Oh, jeez.
1: Uh, <laughs> my name is Dean Porter, and I am—I'm I, uh, an entrepreneur. I'm an attorney. I'm a business person. I'm a lawyer. At um, so I wear several hats, and uh, depending on what I'm doing, but they all sort of tie together at times. And um, I got into this area in particular uh, a few years ago. I, I originally got involved in in the the, can- the CBD hemp space. In fact, I'm involved in that space uh, five about five years ago, mm-hmm. and um, then. Uh, when that world sort of changed, I got involved uh, working on the c- companies that you know are doing cannabis applications. Now, as you know, a lot of the country is uh, legalizing medical cannabis and yeah. recreational cannabis. And uh, so I got involved in some of those projects. So what happened was um, I was talking to um, uh, friends of mine and one fellow who um, is a business person. that actually is in uh, Latin America. Uh, his name is Raymond Harari, and uh, Raymond, uh, young guy, went to Wharton. And Raymond said to me, he said, 'Deenie said um, you've got you've got to, you've got to do psychedelics.'" And I said, "Wait a second. I mean, I'm thinking psychedelics. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go and you know, Timothy Leary. What's, yeah. what's, what's, what's he talking about?" And well,
0: and I think it's important to address that that's how most people would react immediately when, yes. you, when you hear, hey, let's do psychedelics. It's immediately, you think, you know, uh, kaleido- or kaleidoscopes and different shapes and colors oh, yeah. and trees talking to Absolutely.
1: you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was sort of, uh, and he said, he explained to me how he had set up a company in Canada and uh, I think, uh, you know, Funded it with some capital uh, that he did, and then he made a, it was sold to a public company, and they were ketamine cl- clinics initially. Oh, okay, okay. So these were these were uh, professionally managed ketamine clinics. I think they were, doctors were running them. And so I didn't know what ketamine was at that point. I mean, I mean, I know of other psychedelics because I'm a child of the 60s. So yeah. So LS, LSD and others. So t- you like know it
0: the way that everyone seems right, to exactly. know. Right, exactly.
1: Right. But then... So then, that's sort of that was sort of my baptism into this space. And so then, you did ketamine, uh, huh? I've not done. One of my my partners has done. Ketamine. Oh, okay, okay. I'll tell okay. you about that in a second. But so I started, you know, as a business person. I said, "What's the opportunity?" I started to peel back the onion, and then what what struck me was is that and 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 my partner uh, working in this project. I mean, we both have had children with addiction issues, and I think that this whole addiction, mental health um problem we have and is really really breaking this country. I mean, it is so prevalent and it's so widespread and I would say that virtually every family has some um, immediate or extended family member mm-hmm. that has issues. Okay. And it has become a uh, a big business. I mean, right now yes. right now we have what I call the rehab industrial complex, mm. and the rehab industrial complex is you go and you, you know, you can write the check, you or you have great insurance, you send your child or your loved one to, um, you know, it's like going to, like going to college. I mean, uh, my, my, some of my children went to the Ivy Leagues of rehabs, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, one of my favorite stories was uh, one of my t- t- daughters uh, was at Betty Ford. And she was applying to law school. And, she, and I was helping her get letters together, recommendations. And she says, well, I've got this uh, Supreme Court, not U.S., a, a state Supreme Court justice is going to write me a reference. <laughs> and I said, well, how do you know a state Supreme Court justice? She <laughs> said, well, I met her in Betty Ford.
0: <laughs> so, it, honestly, it's very high-end networking if you, oh my, it's if you than go going, to the right place. It, it's better than going to Harvard. <laughs>
1: so, so, um but what I watch was, uh, you know, situations where you go into this, you go in it's very expensive. You know, it's a whatever you want to say. It's thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, and for then for how
0: long? For a month. Thirty days. Okay. Okay. And
1: then what happens is?
0: So it's an annual. It's annual and, tuition. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh mail. yeah.
1: I, but that's not where it ends because people have made like a, it's it, it. There's a business model here. There was one fell out in California, so you started in the and you, you go to a rehab and then he he has. Um, the aftercare, that's the step down. Yes. So now you're paying $25,000 and you're in this facility, you, you know, with, with o- other people who are re- in recovery. And then he owned the halfway houses out uh, you know, Long Beach. Long Beach, California. So you went in and it was like a conveyor belt. And this this guy, he got you at all ends. I mean, and yeah. and people are repeating all the time. And, uh, and I believe, you know, based on what I was able to, to determine, is that the success rate, unfortunately, long term success rates for rehabs and aftercares and all these places are fairly low. They're pretty modest. I'm not saying there isn't there aren't success stories, but they're pretty modest. But why?
0: Why do you think <coughs> in your perspective?
1: Because they don't address the fundamental problem because the fundamental issue I'm not a doctor but I've learned enough is you, you need to rewire the brain. And that is the fundamental point. You, th- there needs to be a paradigm shift from the model we have now, which doesn't work for the most part, to the rewiring of the brain. And that's where psychedelics come in.
0: Mm.
1: Originally, psychedelics you know were were discovered uh you know earlier in the 20th century and there was a lot of um development and research and and people were really finding great success i mean the famous actor Cary grant i think he took a 100 lsd trips you know and yeah. he says you know he swore by it you know he had the trauma and yeah. his childhood and, and so and then what happened was um during the uh, Vietnam War and the, the, the late sixties, early seventies, it was perceived that uh, the youth movement was anti-war and, and 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 that the drugs were making people. You know, they got wins of the drugs. In fact, Nixon ran the, for the re-
0: peace love drugs the peace, yeah. time.
1: So, so Nixon's campaign is, it was acid amnesty and abortion. That's what, that was his campaign against George McGovern in seventy two. And acid became part of the slogan for Nixon's re-election campaign. Wow. The result was, unfortunately, is that that led to the, the rescheduling of these drugs. So, so the DEA, the Drug Enforcement at the federal level, has a schedule where they put drugs. So there's, and, and the worst, you know, in terms of prohibition, is scheduled, you know, at, you know Schedule One, mm, heroin okay. on that. So it's they. So they what they did is they put psychedelics back. Like it's heroin, and that became illegal, so all of so the they research
0: made a grade a top choice meet for the federal government to okay okay
1: that so that at that point in time, so that stopped the research it was, it was that was no longer legal, and it went underground for oh I don't know uh until the nineties mm and then it started to percolate a little bit again and, and more and more. And, and what's happened is is that there's been a renaissance and major universities in the United States, John Hopkins, others, have done studies uh, about uh, you know the benefits of psychedelics in terms of treatments for, for mental health. So it's sort of. You know, somebody gave me an analogy, it's like wiring in your house. You've got an old house and the faulty wiring and you try to stick it in another fuse box or it still blows and you put in, you know, the you put yeah. in the air conditioning. You really gotta rewire the house.
0: Yeah. It's outdated. Yeah. It's exact. outdated. Yeah. And I think that it's it's we should say that other forms of therapy and other forms of cognitive behavioral therapy and different types of therapy. It it's not that these aren't working. It's that they're, we, why wouldn't we evolve to incorporate more resources that could be working? It's Correct. not like saying every single person should stop what they're doing and adopt something else. It's saying, hey, let's explore these other options that are clearly giving giving results and y- yielding results.
1: Correct. And and so what's happened is, is that there's been, it's a bit of the Wild West, but we'll go into it in a second. But what's happened is, is that, uh, venture funds are now funding at a biotech are funding psychedelic companies there's about I don't know 50 60 70 out there now some are public and uh, they have a conference in fact right now there's a, it's called Wonderland it's actually this month and down in Miami there's a Wonderland conference mm. and they all get together and meet and compare notes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know I just happen you know preparation for our chat today I just I'm, I'm in the informa- information flow on all this yeah. I get this stuff all the time so I have Here's one, first patient dosed in clairvoyance phase two clinical trial exploring psilocybin as a treatment for alcohol use disorder.
0: Before you even go farther, okay. define psilocybin. Because I know we've, chemicals, talked, mushrooms, we've talked about well, I think okay. it.
1: it, it it's, it's chemicals found in mushrooms. Okay. Okay. It's okay. a chemical. And here's another one, awaken. Here's a signs uh, agreement with a company feasible studies to improve uh, for MDMA ecstasy mm-hmm. for for treatments. I mean these are these are press news releases, so this is this is out there now, and right now they're they're in clinical trial stages, which is really. What they're doing is they're formulating. Mm-hmm. They're, they have Wait, in clinical
0: trials, it's the cream of the crops for as yeah. far as research goes.
1: Right, and and so they're formulating. Now, I'm I i do not have a chemistry background, so I'm not equipped to sure. go into all the sure. details of what they're formulating. But the I think that I think that what they're hoping is is that of these 50, 60, 70 companies, some will have great success, and those people will become billionaires. I mean, this will be the next big billionaire <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> group formed, um, and even though pharma has not been receptive to it, you know, it's, a, it's sort of threatening to the pharma model we totally. have today. But I think the perception in the capital market is that at, at, at the right point, pharma is going to say, okay, you know, we're going to go, let's buy these guys.
0: Yeah. And so it, it sounds like it's going to have to be one of those situations where it's privatized at first. People are doing it one-off and they have these practitioners who are open to trying it. And then it's going to end up being celebrities and it'll be people Correct. with different resources who have the money to try these different uh, different resources that aren't government funded. So we're saying, okay, it's gonna first be in-house and it's gonna first be a high-end treatment that is avant-garde and new and fresh. And then it, I mean, it, that's what happens before it becomes a household name. So well, we're still at the beginning of stages we're of that, right? And
1: we're waiting in, in order for this to really enter the mainstream at all, we have to give FDA approval. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really the next step then. and. and what I what I read and what I hear is that the FDA is seriously considering um, uh, using you know, giving approval for, for uh, psilocybin and uh, MDMA. Mm-hmm. Um, now That'll under be under there's an entity called MAPS. It'll be very strict protocols and how it's used and how it's prescribed and yeah. who's, who can do it. But it'll be the it'll be a, a breakthrough once the FDA does that. Right now, ketamine although is legal because it's a it's it's a horse anesthetic and it's used for anesthesia I see
0: I mean, billboards for ketamine
1: yeah and we'll ta- we'll talk about that in a second but ke- ketamine is an anesthetic and people give it in hospitals I mean so what they found though it, it mimics and it has similar properties to a psychedelic it's technically not a. a from yeah. a chemical point of view, it's technically not a psychedelic, but it has many of the same impacts of a psychedelic. Okay. Now, we're, we're, where I've gotten into this space is we are in the process of uh, setting up a company to do uh, psychiatric managed ketamine clinics. Mm. Um, and right now you can go and do... Uh, drip clinics. If you go to different parts of the country, it depends. We're here in the south, so you don't see as much of this. You see some of it, but if you go out west, if you go to Colorado, if you go to Oregon, California, New York, you'll see a lot more activity with ketamine right now, which mm-hmm. which is technically legal. And right now, you can go in and you know do telehealth. You can do it. You can yeah. do shamans will you know uh,
0: that's what i'm thinking is i hear all these people saying hey you know i went into the woods for six days and i threw up and uh, shit my brains out and now i feel like i've completely i'm a whole new person ego death all this different Uh, stuff." and so you go in and you uh, but i also think that it's gotten to a point where i feel like ayahuasca at least specifically has has hit this wall of Now it's not being taken seriously. So they almost have to change the wording behind ayahuasca. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And so before we keep talking about that, when we are discussing, because this is not a small, this is an epidemic of the mental health crisis, addiction, opioids, what is your tie? You, You touched on the fact that you've had to send children through rehabilitation centers, and you've had to go through—you know—it's not just oh, someone has a problem, send them away. It's—it's it's never like that. There's a huge journey that goes on between in relationships before you. It, so, to start a company like this, you ha- let's talk about your why, because the whole reason you and I are even speaking today is because of your daughter Chase Porter, Correct. who, if you haven't listened to the episode on Hotter Than Health, it's called it's called Fancy Meth. Thank you for reminding me. It's called Fancy Meth, and it's the Adderall episode where we talked about Chase going to several different rehabilitation centers, but also just the ins and outs of what was going on through her mind at the time of understanding her addiction. What has your experience been involving mental health and the people that you've been surrounded with in your life and yourself?
1: Right. (laughs) Well, I think that, that, you know, Chase... Um. Yeah, Chase uh, dropped acid. I mean, she did not not under <laughs> my, my auspices, but she, you know, she she learned about this and she took LSD, uh-huh. and she found it to be life changing. Uh huh. You know.
0: Because it, for those who don't know, the fancy meth episode was talking about the addiction to Adderall. Right. And it was, which is unspoken and huge in anyone you talk to. Either takes Adderall recreationally, has has it accessible to them, knows someone who does. It's not a hidden crime, but so talk about the life-changing. How how do you, first, how does one come into access with acid to the point where you know how much to take in order for it to well, be beneficial? Well, that's a good
1: question. That that that's a good question, and that goes back to a little bit. I know I'm I'm coming back to. But we'll come up, about, we'll come back we'll, to it. Gonna, but but. One of the things that what I'm focused on is the proper supervision and management of these psychedelics as they're being used. Uh, You know, I think that the problem is, is that because it's sort of the Wild West, you have to be very careful um, if it's not managed, uh, where you're getting this, where you're getting the product. Uh, You know, it's illegal in most places. Okay, so you have to, you know, so those people who want to do that, that's that they have to make sure that they're getting they're not getting some poison of some yeah. sort and then the other issue is you know who you know who's managing it who, who's you know who, who's on top of it and and uh you know our our belief is that it needs to be you know a doctor a psychiatric practitioner mm-hmm. who's incorporated he or she is incorporating the array of psychedelics you know where they're available um in in the psychiatric practice um There is danger. I mean, you know, you're you're on a trip and you can have a bad trip. And if you don't have the right environment and the right people around you, it could be bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there's a risk here. And that's why um, it's our belief that it has to be properly, you know, managed and monitored. Otherwise, there's you could have problems.
0: Yeah. And when you are talking about having this in a controlled environment, can you walk us through exactly, let's say I'm a patient. I say, Mr. Dean Porter, I, w- I want to come to, what, co- Copus Menti's?
1: Copus Menti's. Okay, well, our I'm not the doctor. but. The compa- Fair
0: enough. But if I if I go to a doctor who has practiced this, what does that process look like? Well, I like, think, first it, of all. Is it intravenous? You know,
1: yes, yes. There, there's an, it's an infusion. Okay. And typically what would happen is you would find a doctor who, um, would prescribe and use psychedelics. where legal mm-hmm. in in their practice. Okay? In
0: their practice, they're not saying, "Here's a baggie, go home, have some Correct. fun." Correct. Okay. Correct.
1: No, it's in their practice. It's all part of psychotherapy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's how it should be used. It should be, and, and otherwise was you know I think that you're going to have. Um, some bad experiences, and then people pick up the papers and say, oh, my Lord, what's going on? People are jumping off buildings, and they're on these crazy kids again, or not, I mean, whomever, and and it'll get a bad name, and then it'll be shut down again. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to see it shut down. We want to see it, you know, professionally uh, managed.
0: So when I think about a rehabilitation center, I, I have there's addiction that has run through my family. I've had friends and friends of friends who have struggled, I personally have not struggled with it and it wasn't in my nuclear family, but aunts, uncles. When I saw that it was always swept under the rug and they went to therapy, but they never talked about it. And now it's becoming more common to hear about talking about your inner child. What happened during your childhood? Where is this stemming from? What's the root cause now in psychedelic therapy are is that being coupled with those types of questions that sure. kind of therapy so if i'm in this acid let's say i'm in an acid trip under the supervision of a medical practitioner a medical doctor are they ask is there also a therapist there saying okay tell me about a time in your childhood where you were traumatized or or what does that look like in conjunction with traditional well they would therapy.
1: be in the room with the person taking it and mm-hmm. they would talk to them I mean it would be incorporated in other words they've already had therapy so mm-hmm. before they would administer it and as I said you've got to do it where it is technically legal and whatever sub- yeah. whatever you're using as I said so ketamine, it's ketamine part of a process it's, it's not part the of only the process. process like uh, as I said like ketamine is legal all across the country and then other psychedelics depending on where you live they're being decriminalized yeah just like cannabis has been decriminalized yeah. Yeah, um, but um, it's part of the process. They've already had therapy. It's not like they walk okay. in and they say, "Okay, uh, you know, uh, uh, give me a hit." You Got know? it. And, Got And, and it. here's the doctor saying, "Okay, just you know, give like, me here's my visa card." You know, or here's here's my uh, my. Uh, yeah. Give me your visa th- card. Tell us when to say stop. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, I mean it's it's part of it's, it's a tool for the doctor.
0: Okay, it's a tool for the doctor. I like the way you're putting that, and I also I think it's <laughs> it's fair to say that we don't need to think about it It, it's hard not to think about because i we talked about this before we started recording i love to do micro doses of mushrooms i don't love to i don't really drink much anymore and i find that having maybe an espresso or just having a mocktail and then maybe a little micro dose is the perfect cocktail for me (laughs) but when i tell people that they are like you know, they'll wave their hands in front of my face. They're like, oh my gosh, are you tripping right now? But I've never, I've actually never tripped. I've never hallucinated. I've never had any experiences where the walls are talking to me and then my like lower lip is coming over my head. Like never had an issue, not an issue, but I've never tripped. Right. And when you're talking to someone who who maybe thinks that that's exactly what acid is, that's what mushrooms are, what is that conversation like? when you personally tell them about your experiences with mushrooms or with an LSD or anything? Well, I
1: think that uh, when I've spoken to people about their experiences, first of all, I know people who have told me, uh, I know pr- people who are, uh, you know, professional people, I mean, people that you would never expect mm-hmm. you to have, you know, done this. Mm-hmm. They, they've they they've said it's been life-changing for
0: yeah. them. I've never heard, I used to work in sales at a... <laughs> At a really fast-paced company right. and it was cold call sales and it was like a 100 calls a day you had to go 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 you had to meet your quota and there were people doing bumps of cocaine in the bathroom right. so it's one of those things nobody's ever said cocaine changed my life for the better right. I've <laughs> never heard anyone <laughs> say that I've no. never there it's literally it either you that. do it because it feels like Adderall you do it to stay awake you do it to get that next fix but well now people diff- get
1: chill I mean I, I've spoken you know I, what, what I'm what I've uh in my journey here as I've spoken to uh, people who are younger like you and you're in, in your age demographic And I and here we are in South Carolina, which I don't think is as a wild Wild state a you know, wild hippie place what have you, but um, I, I've met people, you know a lot of people who have confessed to me or told me that they microdose and I was like Wow, I mean and, and then they go to parties and people are microdosing. I'm yeah, like, really, you know I'm, I'm, I, I was sort of astounded so I think it. I think that there's more acceptance and knowledge of, you know, yeah. psychedelics or, or the effects yeah. of psychedelics. Uh, it's almost
0: that you have to see it happening in the real world in correct. front of you for yeah, you to understand it, it. Yeah,
1: It's getting more... There's more of a buzz to it. Yeah. It's getting more accept, ex, uh, accepted. As I said, I tell people when, when I'm discussing what, what we're doing at, at our company, I said, you know, you should... To get more familiar with this, uh, uh, Netflix, I think every, basically everybody has Netflix pretty much, mm-hmm. um, has done documentary. There's a book written, sort of the Bible, and that was uh, when Mr. Harari, Raymond, when he introduced me to this, said, you've got to read Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I got the book and I read it and I said, wow, And that, that yeah. was really like the Bible for people getting into the space. Netflix has made a documentary about this. Mm. And you can watch it on, on documentary. How to change your mind? Netflix. And I would encourage anybody too. anybody who um, anybody yeah. who um, has more interest in this space should watch How to Change Your Mind. It'll discuss. It'll be more granular. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're just we're thirty thousand feet a bit, but this will it'll be a more granular discussion. And they have. They have episodes of. uh, They break it out like they have an episode on psilocybin, an episode on MDMA, and but they they make it a
0: holistic approach. It's about new. It's got nutrition involved. It's got the whole wellness approach to it, which is, I think, uh, this target this audience that we're talking to right now, the hotter than health listeners. They're open minded. They're also people who want to take their health to the next level. I think that these are people who have been on some type of transformative journey and they're at least interested and open. I don't think that anyone listening to this is going to say, Oh, fuck you guys for thinking this. This is, you know, futuristic, unproductive ways of thinking. It's just stick with what you know. I don't, I don't foresee people listening to that. And if, if they are, then they're likely going to turn it off right now. That's fine. Bye bye. Please unsubscribe. But the, (laughs) what I want to also talk about is so we're talking about it psilocybin and mushrooms, and uh, we're talking about that being more talked about in the mainstream recreationally
1: but the the real the, but but the uh, yes, but I think that going back to the mental health issue where mm-hmm. this is where people are using this for are for depression, yeah. addiction um anxiety pdst they that's where they're finding. That the psychedelics are helping in terms of treatment for those for those problems
0: so it isn't just saying oh it's not just for addiction it's not just for so can we talk about that because what your experience has often been with addiction to substances what about depression what is the research like for depression and anxiety because I
1: Absolutely. (sighs) yeah absolutely I had a colleague of mine recently and he's an older gentleman, more my age, and and he um, he has anxiety had anxiety issues, and uh, also
0: men don't talk about anxiety as much I as know. women do. I it's know. really it's it's it comes out differently. It comes out as frustration or avoidance, and anxiety is well rampant.
1: And he had done uh, he did uh, uh, ketamine under under doctor's care. He did ketamine, and huh. he. He uh, swore by the effects that how it's, he feels better. He's, he feels like his anxiety has been, you know, d- d- diminished. And,
0: and I know you're not a doctor, and I know, you know we're not giving no. medical <laughs> advice. We don't have to give that disclaimer. Please just, uh, But what is happening in the brain on a high level, you know, f- airplane level? The n- different pathways are the being receptors. created. Receptors. So can you talk at all about what's going on there?
1: well I was I'm not a doctor so I, I well I okay
0: just, so so but what is your understanding of it well the rewires the B- I it?
1: mean the, whole, the neurons and how everything connects and and communicates and and so that uh, it, it it impacts it's the chemistry I mean yeah. basically you're dealing with chemistry you change
0: the chemistry in your brain to yeah. new neural pathways fire and right. new connections are firing yes. so here's how I picture it and I I say this I have this analogy a lot especially when we're having Whenever there's fear, whenever there is people staying very comfortable with, with the norm, what they know, I always say if you look at it like a, have you ever been to a horse arena or somewhere where they're doing show horses or there's the big sand circle? that the horses will right. trot around. And in the beginning, the sand is clean and they have it's clear. There's not one hoof print. There's nothing. It's clear. And so the horse starts to run around the arena and it's trotting around. It's trotting around. The horse knows that it's staying in this one path. It's like, don't veer off this path. Don't veer off this path because this is what I know. This is what is right because it's the only thing it knows. But if you think about it, He could get across the arena a whole lot faster if he just cut through the middle. Right. So I think that when you introduce a substance such as this in a controlled and positive setting with the intention of understanding, hey, this is something I'm struggling with. I'm using this as a tool, not just blindly going into it. Then you can understand that that's not, it's not a huge risk that you're taking by cutting across. It's just something that's different. So I think that by changing the language and saying instead of like you you mentioned earlier someone confessed to you that they had been microdosing. instead of saying those words it's it's experimenting with or it's trying something new or you know not just this last ditch effort that i think people might go straight into so that's how i picture it in my brain is just these new pathways it's not it's not right it's not wrong it's just different
1: different so and i think that because of the I mean, obviously, people. Some people microdose. They they, they like the feeling of of of, of 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 you know doing the microdose. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, where, where we're focused on is you know helping people deal with these mental health issues, yeah. and that's why I think that you know, as I said, is there's 60, 70 companies out there now who are doing clinical trials with, with different modalities, and you know, I think there's going to be great great eventually there are going to be some great uh drugs therapeutics mm-hmm. that are going to come out of this
0: so you're a businessman. you have go a ahead. business mind an entrepreneurial yes. mind yes. Yes. which is why i'm going to ask a question yes. that is yes. not about that
1: okay
0: you're like oh god okay <laughs> i gotta go see ya <laughs> like i think this room is already <laughs> booked again okay when people are listening to this podcast it isn't often that they're going to say, oh, I have this problem. I don't think that when people are dealing with addiction or depression or anxiety in that level, it may not be that they're ready to accept that that is an issue for them at that time. People listening to this podcast may say, this is something I see my loved one struggling with. This is something that I see my, my sister, my brother, my boyfriend, my whatever it is. And they might want to come back and say, look, the the problems that you're having are affecting the relationship that we have. Or I want to help you, but you have to help yourself first. When you were experiencing the trauma and the day-to-day living of being around people with addiction, what was that like for you? because i want horrible. you to paint the picture horrible. of what was going on because you're the kind of person who's gonna come to the people who are having problems
1: it's awful i mean for the for the family members it's uh it's a it's it, it, it's uh, emotionally and financially uh, devastating i mean uh, and and it's uh you know i was i was sending somebody you know it's almost like having a uh, you know a uh, a quasi special needs child. You know, if you had a special needs child and they're young, and you say, okay, um, you deal, you know, families deal with it, make make uh, arrangements, and they, they know how to live their lives forward. A lot of times, you don't see these problems until th- th- these are people who are in young adulthood. They and manifest slowly over. Slowly time. over. So now they're not babies. They're They're, you know, 18, 20, 25, 30, 35 years old, you know, and and all of a sudden now they are going through all this pain, this trauma, this dysfunction, and, um, you know, it's tough. It's very tough. And seeing your
0: child go through that, I can't imagine. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. I know. And hearing the stories that Chase told us on the podcast that she was on, it sounds like her family was nothing more than supportive so that's
1: we try we look we did the best that's you all did, you could do is you can, you can only do, do your you best you can only do your best and then but then there's a point where you have to detach as well otherwise you get you get uh, devoured as well by the, the disease it is a disease and you and it, it says there's a point where you have to sort of protect yourself as well but what
0: did that look like for you when you had to take steps to put boundaries, um, it's apart? hard
1: because then um, you you know any if you go to any therapist and we've been we've been to, to therapy for this, um, and they tell you you know you've got to detach and they've got to you know they may fall on their feet and what have you and it's very difficult to watch your child, you know, in, in a world mm. where if you go out today with opiates and you or Adderall, and mm. you have fentanyl out there. I mean, look at all the young people are are dying from overdoses because the fentanyl slate, like, you know, all the, on the street. I was released. listening
0: to a Joe Rogan episode the other day and that someone shared with me and they said that from age 19 to 40, the number one killer in the U S right now is fentanyl. Mm. And I know that's a very specific 19 to 40 age. And also don't quote me on this. This is hearsay. This is just from right. what I heard, but the fact that that's even an option right now and the fact of the matter is is that people are dying when they they weren't trying to harm themselves they no. they didn't even know they didn't that know. they were they had no idea and they didn't know they so didn't.
1: <laughs> they didn't know. so that's why you know i'm excited about these new developments you know in psychedelics because um hopefully the you know, people will be helped you know and once mm-hmm. again you know my my concern is is that they get professional Help while they're doing it, Mm -hmm. and uh, they just don't go out and willy-nilly experiment because that that could be dangerous. Yeah,
0: yeah. And what are any specific companies that are doing this actively? Do you, if people were to want to reach out or do more research? Well, I mean, if
1: they want to do it, so I'll give you the. I mean, we're we're a startup company. We're first, you know, getting into business, and what we're going to be doing is opening up psychiatric. Ketamine initially, ketamine clinics, and hopefully once uh, MDMA, psilocybin, other psychedelics are, are legal, FDA uh, approved. Uh, yeah, and then mm-hmm. you know, once we're, we're legal, and then we'll incorporate those into uh, into the protocols. Um, right now, I mean, there are companies out there. There's some public companies out there right now. You can look them up. Um, you, could, you know, and they do. Some do telehealth. Some do. Uh, you trips you go to you go places you know and uh, uh what so do you mean trips you go uh, places you, like you,
0: d- you actually are tripping yeah
1: well you go yeah. there and they and they give you the oh okay uh, got they it. give you the psychedelic okay so i think they're out west somewhere i think you have you
0: west. i know it's hard to say what has your personal experience been have you you know bounced off gone off the walls with these kinds of things have you experimented with
1: i have not no i have not okay done that okay um but i've been around you know, people that have. And and uh, they've had good experience, I mean, for the most yeah. part. Um I I'm not averse to it. I mean I'm just you know I haven't done it. Yeah. But um I think that uh if you go now if if somebody on this on this uh d- podcast you know wanted to learn more, I think that they could go start doing some research. I mean you wanna start with Ketamine, and, and see you know how the, what their what their procedures are and how they monitor it, and so that you're not dealing with some yeah you know shaman who <laughs> you know
0: c- who's not certified or doesn't know do- what not they're not certified
1: yeah. or what have you. I mean, you really want to do your homework, but mm-hmm. um uh, you know they even had a TV show with uh, not a uh, Hulu had it, and Nicole Kidman nine perfect strangers. It
0: was so good. Right? It was one of my favorite shows. There you go. Right? Not only I was like I would, d- fine, lie to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I want to go. But if you haven't seen Nine Perfect Strangers, that's, that's a great example of in the beginning they're all just blissed out. They're just happy. That's why they had their specific smoothie because right. they had to have the exact proportions of what type of medicinal mushrooms. But by the end, half the table was freaking out and then half the table was having a, re- a realization of, well, I do feel amazing, but I feel in control, right? That's the thing is that I think a lot of people, um, I told some people that I was doing this interview and they were like, you know, I just don't think it's for me. Like, I hate that feeling of feeling out of control, out of body, but it's never, I've never had that experience. I only recognize that I'm micro dosing if I start laughing, (laughs) but not in a way of when you're smoking weed and you're just like, But cackling you're just over like nothing. in the
1: microdosing, but you're not doing 'em you're doing it because you like the feel. You, you, exactly. It, it makes you it makes you chill as they say, right? It's
0: just I feel I feel just good. Yeah. I can't really describe it. And that's but yeah, it's not necessarily a chill drug for me. It's more of a it's it just makes things a lighter experience but i don't like my body's not tingling i don't feel high i don't feel like i can't see anything sometimes when you're high you kind of just feel really blinded but that's that's been my experience but again i've gone into it not trying to heal a certain trauma or or deal with anything in that sense i was just at the grocery store and you know how at the end of the grocery store line and you're about to go check out they have a whole cart or shelf of quick grab-and-go items, whether it's gum or lip gloss or candy bars, go bars, whatever it is, a phone charger. I was looking at it, and I was so close to buying some sleep gummies. It said, oh, these are really great for helping to uh, make you restful. And of course, that's on the front of the package. I turn over onto the back of the package, and I couldn't believe the amount of ingredients that went into this. Cane syrup, cane sugar, different syrups, preservatives, added sugars, chemicals, solvents, stabilizers, emulsifiers. There were so many ingredients on there that I was so overwhelmed. I immediately put it back and I thought, this is bullshit. The fact that the beginning of this, the front of this package is saying, oh, eat me. I'm so healthy. I'll help you rest at the end of the night. And then you some most people don't even turn the packaging over. That is why I am such a huge advocate and so happy about our show sponsor Organifi. Organifi has trusted ingredients. You can understand what they are. They all have a reason. They have intentional ingredients and one of my favorite products that you, I know you have heard me talk about is the Organifi Chocolate Gold. They also have a new pumpkin spice flavor that comes out just seasonally so make sure you check that out on their website but Any of the gold products are there really to help support reduce inflammation as well as support relaxation and even things like hormonal balance. So it's one of those things where at the end of the night, I like to have that sweet treat. I like to have my chocolatey elixir, but without guilt, without a blood sugar crash, I don't need to be wired at the end of my snack. And that is why I absolutely love heating up a cup of the chocolate gold. I'll do a little coconut milk if I want it to be thicker, but typically I will do some of hot water i love these products they are sweet they are creamy they last they will last you two months i bet you anything if you buy a tub of this it will last you two months people think oh well i run out really quick no do half of a scoop in a large mug and you are good to go i promise me it will help you with your sugar cravings it will help you rest and relax and you will love the ingredients all organic all the time Thank you so much Organify for sponsoring this podcast and for providing me with honestly my favorite supplements. I cannot tell you enough how much I love these products. You can go to Organifi.com backslash H-T-H. Use the code H-T-H for 20% off. If you click on the links in my show notes for this episode or anywhere on my Instagram that I post about Organifi, you will get 20% off just for using the code H-T-H. Again, check out any of the Organifi gold products, the protein, the probiotics, anything. You will love it. Thank you so much. Organifi.com backslash H-T-H. Now, let's get back to the episode
1: well and and, and I think that's one aspect of this, but mm-hmm. as I said, i think the uh, the the the, thr- the thrust of this ind- is it is becoming an industry is is um, is uh, this new mental health treatment paradigm yeah yeah and and I think uh, more and more people are experimenting and more and more people um are finding the benefits t- to it and and as the uh the regulatory bodies start accepting it more and more. I think that there's a whole, you know, it started with the cannabis, you know, but there's a much more willingness now to look at these alternative treatments mm-hmm. than there were 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not whacked out, it's not crazy anymore. So obviously, some people are going to be hesitant, and that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. as I said, this should only be done with proper due diligence and proper uh, medical uh, supervision. Yeah. But um, I think that. Uh, in the not too distant future, as I said, I'm expecting. Once again, I don't have an inside track, but I'm expecting the FDA to, you know, not not too long, you know, uh, give its imprimatur for uh, ecstasy and MDMA and, and psilocybin, and and that'll be that'll be a game changer.
0: The fact that I mean, there are different drugs out there that I talked to a friend the other day, who's one of her. Close relatives is addicted to heroin, but she or was addicted to heroin, and now she takes. I don't remember the name of the drug, but what is it? suboxone, suboxone. yeah, the synthetic form of heroin, or or, or, meant, or not working, I'm sorry, uh, methadone. something along those lines, methadone, or one of these. And I'm not probably misspeaking here, but she has to take it. She has to go to a space every week and get the exact amount because it's the exact amount that she needs to not have extreme withdrawals and and if those types of things are legalized can we also touch on the fact that i mean we we're talking about this going back to uh, being a different type of therapy and helping to re repave neural pathways and restructure neural pathways people are still using alcohol every single mm. day as a form of therapy. And I don't think that it's fair to say I'm, that why is alcohol legal when we have people dying of drunk driving accidents, but yet we have to prove Correct. every single day that something that could actually elevate your state mood and not affect you in certain ways. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a little sh- so anyways, but we have alcohol. Yes. There are people who use alcohol the way that I use Maybe it's self-medicated. You know, mushrooms. Is it it's self-medicated? a fun, it's a fine right. situation. You're doing it socially, whatever. But then on the other side of things, it's another addiction that is so easily accessible. I was walking past an apartment on my way here and two kids who looked to be the age of 16 who like, I don't know, they were making a TikTok and there was cases of Trulies and six packs. Every, it's, it's not even a question in society. It's just you drink. It's just what it is. And there are more times than not, that people use alcohol as as a habit, as a way to self-medicate, self-regulate emotions, find confidence, find bravery, find whatever it is. And it ends up digging an even bigger ditch. But the people who tell me that they think that microdosing and stuff like that is crazy are also the people having a glass of wine every single night. Oh yeah. Every single fucking night. At and least, I'm like, at least one glass. It's <laughs> affecting your sleep it's affecting your skin and here i'm not trying to give me on a high horse so it's not like i'm not going to drink again i love i appreciate alcohol i absolutely do but i'm also not blind to the like i'm self-aware enough to know that i'm not it, i i do think that i use it in a healthy way and i know that there are some people out there who can't and it's just interesting yeah well, we
1: have we have you know uh we talk about medical cannabis for an issue i mean there's a lot of benefit uh you know that, that's why all these states have legalized medical cannabis initially because
0: south carolina what are you doing
1: well <laughs> i've sort of been perfectly involved with that we uh, we had hoped to have it passed in the last legislative session and uh the the uh, law and order faction here is vehemently against it. it is uh, they i i told somebody i said i think they saw the movie reefer madness and thought it was a documentary
0: um it's like seeing the zombie apocalypse yeah, and thinking right, that right. it's they are
1: just vehement and they they basically uh, All
0: right, who do we need to get in office? Room? What is it what does the name rhyme with? And then who do we need to get in office for us to have I don't know. I mean the, you
1: I think it's a generational thing for politics. I mean we yeah. have we have an election coming up here shortly. I mean the we have a young go- I voted yesterday We're running everyone for governor.
0: go vote. If you're yeah. listening to this podcast, you have enough you have an iPhone and I go vote.
1: Um You know, uh, I I think it's a generational thing, Mm -hmm. and I think that uh, I think that the older politicians, more my age, you know, grew up. You know, most of them are probably like you know, scotch and beer and shots and. You know, and they look at this stuff as you know, crazy and wacky. Scotch,
0: beer, shots, you know, you see, uh, yeah. nicotine, nicotine ca- right. Sex, drugs, right? Infidelity. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, okay, so you're addicted to having sex with other people that aren't your wives, but you can, <laughs> you're not okay with me. But did anybody? I, a I said to
1: somebody, I said that you never hear of anybody high beating their wife. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Honestly, but the people who are, the people who think that, that type of physical abuse is okay or a one off situation. It they're not self-aware enough to know that there no. are other ways to manage things. Those are people who are in their box.
1: Yes. Yeah, and it's so I think it's just it's a matter of time. And mm-hmm. but I think that the progress has been made in and medical cannabis is if you if you want to see where this is going to roll out the states as they legalize this was going to set their own rules yeah and and it's, it's gonna i believe it'll follow the path that l- the medical cannabis has followed across the country
0: yeah and i think that people a lot of people have concerns not saying that this is the only concern and i'm not saying that everything is fine and perfect and there's no issue but some people have concerns saying oh well if if marijuana is legalized then crime rates are going to get higher and right. all these things uh, or they're going to my kids are going to have more access to it i'm like have you ever seen a child that was fully restricted in their childhood growing up to be a normal adult?
1: Right.
0: I'm telling you, if if the more you restrict and try and control everything a child does, good luck. Best of luck. And not to give parenting advice. I have zero children. and It's just what it is. But I feel like I'm a pretty self-sufficient human being, and I was like getting myself up and babysitting and making my – you know, job all throughout. It's just one of those things where, had I had hover parents, it might have been a different story. Not to say that I have my shit figured out, because definitely therapy is a thing. But, but going back to it, you're an entrepreneur, mm. very much so. May yes. I ask how old are you, how old are you?
1: I'm a septuagenarian.
0: Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So older than me. <laughs> okay, but what I what I mean by that is that. There are so many people in my circle whose parents have gotten to a certain age, and they're like, can't wait to sit back. And no, they, if that's what happens What
1: happens if you do that? You break your hip, and then you die.
0: You break your hip, and then you die, having done nothing. <laughs> I'm a
1: lousy golfer. <laughs> I'm an awful golfer. <laughs>
0: But but you want to keep your brain functioning. Oh, you want I to love, keep everything I, going. You no, know,
1: I love the chat. I mean, I do. You know, I do lots of different things. I'm, I'm a, I do do some legal practice, and you know, on limited basis. And I do this, and I you do stay some, stimulated. Uh, some some sort of investment banking type stuff. So I mean, I'm I'm always. I mean, it drives my family crazy because I'm on the phone a lot. You know, and so I'm 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 always doing something, no matter where I am. If you put but me you know- out in Kiwa right now, I'd be. I be talking. You put him
0: on the golf course and he's like, "You know what I could do with this golf course? I could make a 10 million dollars a day." That's but right. but what would what would drive your family even more crazy if you were sitting at home pointing at everything? That's not clean. Oh, <laughs> that's got to be fixed. If You're you were right. just sitting around, you would find some way to stimulate your own brain. That's
1: right. That's exactly. With with that
0: being said, what is we have a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who maybe have a side hustle or they want to get out of the situation, their career, they want to be a coach of some sort. They want to do something more and in, in an entrepreneurial way. What is the best, what is the advice that you never got that you wish you had at an earlier entrepreneurial age?
1: Well, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to fail. I mean, you know, and that's, that people are always afraid of failure in our society, uh-huh. okay? And I think entrepreneurs have hits and they have wins and they have losses. And that, I mean, occasionally, you know, you have a Mark Zuckerberg or a Bezos, but I mean, for most people who are entrepreneurial, um, it's like, you know, how many the uh, the teams that win the uh, baseball or football, they win 60, 70% of their games and they win, right? They're the champions.
0: Can I tell you, Dean, that I was about to give that exact same yeah. analogy? <laughs> that in order to get into the baseball hall of fame, you have to fail 70% of That's the time? That's correct.
1: So you have to be willing to accept that and 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 learn from it and um, you know most people who've, who've been entrepreneurs for a good portion of their life have had success and they've had failure and mm-hmm. and so that that's the toughest thing for people to people
0: don't see the failures though they only see the successes of people and, and they and think failures and the failures, teach, and, and and the failures the
1: actually become teachers that you learn from the failures but um, that's the thing the fair I think the fear of failing and there's some people just aren't cut out for it I mean there are people out there that yes. just you know they they need to go to an office they or they or they used to go to the office right they need to go to a, a structured employer who says here's your job here's your pay you, you know and you're basically that's what you do and and Entreprene- they're happy with that.
0: entrepreneurs uh, hello entrepreneurs would not be who they are or have the success that they have if they didn't have people who worked well with tasks and who right. were better at doing that because without someone with the creative vision it having a creative vision does not matter unless you have support around you that can help you execute and that's i think people don't understand that the coo or the ceo like run the companies the founders usually come up with the ideas correct and they're like, here you go go ahead that is correct absolutely and so please don't be an entrepreneur yeah. <laughs> please don't actually and we live
1: in a society today you know i got out of business school i, I graduated out of business school a long time ago and uh it was everybody would go and they would work for, you know, go work. I, mean, I worked, you know, uh, an MBA and you go work on Wall Street or you go work for International Paper or, you know, some big corporation. And, and that was what people did. Mm-hmm. Well, that world, and then you spend a good portion of your life with one employer. You let's work say. for
0: 45 years and then you retire and then yeah, you
1: die. Yeah, or, or even maybe even back then, maybe by the time I got into the workforce, maybe it was two employers. That's not the case anymore. Everybody basically has to learn that they – they are their own employer, in a sense. They have to yeah. They have to assume that when they do a job or whatever, that that's not a lifetime career, and they have to build their network, build their social skills, build their expertise, and, 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 and figure out what their next opportunity is because uh, that company could be bought. I yeah. mean, right now, Twitter's firing half the people at Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Musk comes in, he's firing half the people. I don't, I'm sure they didn't expect to be fired, those people, this weekend, right?
0: I bet they, hopefully, they expected the unexpected. Hopefully. Yeah. But with all that being said, if that's your one piece of advice, what has been, what are your top three priorities in life right now?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> that's a heavy question. I thought about that, Eliza. Take your time. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> well, I need to relax more. So, um, I mean, I need to. I'm working on my tennis right now a little bit, and uh, I need to uh, g- get back and do a more recreational fun, sports. So shit. mental health. <laughs> mental health. That's that's a form of mental health. Um, you know, helping my children get on in life, and you know, they've they've had issues, and I want to be able to uh, know when I leave this earth that they are self-sufficient and in a good place, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I wanna keep working on my projects, you know, yeah. as I am now.
0: I love it. I think that's, you know what, Chase recommended that I interview. She's like, he's a really cool teacher. And uh, I can tell you for a fact that every single day of the week I get either an email or something saying, you gotta have this person on, you gotta have this person on. And not to say that they're not all right. amazing, but you don't have time for everyone. right? And also you kind of have to have that gut feeling and I just remember the conversation I had with Chase. I was like, "This shit was good." It's <laughs> like, "Very open, just open." That's all anyone wants, and that's why it's been such a successful episode, even now. And I'm just so happy that you had
1: well, thank you, Les, the time. I, I, so I, I, I've enjoyed this, and uh, if any, you know, I'm going to give them your your email, Chase. If anybody has any of the questions yeah. or are interested in the business of psychedelics, whatever. Or you
0: just business in general. I feel like just, you ask yeah, the questions.
1: Well, anyway, it's Chase Porter 1989
0: at Gmail. Chase? We'll put that in the show notes too.
1: Chase, Chase. pardon? And face or
0: chaser. Facer Chaser on Instagram. Facer is,
1: Chaser on Instagram, <laughs> or Chase Porter 1989 at Gmail.
0: Dean, what's your and, TikTok?
1: And we'll throw in a bl- <laughs> we'll throw in a blender. What I'm sorry. We'll
0: throw in a blender. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? What Chase? Is there anything that? I miss that you wanted to cover that you think is important for us to know. And by the way, Chase has been here this whole time, and she has facilitated the entire interview. And I would like to hire you if I could afford you. But what questions?
1: One thing I have to forget. I have to add. I'm sorry. I just read coming just as we met here. Uh, they are voting on uh, in uh, Colorado now. To have doctors supervise uh, prescribing psychedelics for treatment and college. There's a referendum on the Colorado ballot on Tuesday coming up.
0: We have listeners in Colorado.
1: I think it's number 122, referendum 122, I believe it is, will, will legalize doctors and, and other certified people prescribe using psychedelics for treatments.
0: Oh, cool. So it's, 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 on it's the happening. Ballot. That's cool. On the ballot. That's so cool. I wanted to add that. I love that.
2: Okay, what would you like to add?
0: Yeah, can we switch headsets? And I won't even pause this. I just want you to, because I think that it's important to hear, I'm sweating so, like, do you, s- hello? Don't even worry about it. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, are we good? So we're still recording, but okay. introduce you yourself, in, people, you can sit, You can hang, I, I oh no, like you can sit um yeah just, dave just don't real leave
2: quick, just real quick just dave quick. leave this in leave this in okay so so um yeah so um having struggled with addiction and depression throughout you know my life I've spoken about it uh with Eliza on this podcast like we mentioned before um I was one of the people that was kind of uh, trapped in the rehab industrial complex, it's a 36 billion dollar industry, and they bank on um, people coming back. They want people to come back because you know it's more money for them. Um, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, depending on on what pers- what article you look at, at what research, at the most, it has a it's the most recent article I read was 1.5 to 2% success rate for people staying sober over a year. And that's what, that is what our entire society, uh, the justice system, uh, rehabs, they say, go to, go to your 12 step meeting like that. They say like, uh, you know, that's how you're going to stay sober. This is, we are so far behind when it comes to like, Recovery. Like, there are so many. Like, Finland has this, has an 80% success rate using something called the Sinclair method. Yeah, it's amazing. I was so hesitant to even try psychedelics. For some reason, I was totally fine with prescription medications, and I thought that psychedelics uh, or acid was going to be like very terrifying. And my experience, I, I, and I, this is why I wanted to say something is because, um, it was by far the most profound experience of my entire life like and i I say that the thing that that these drugs do is that they they rewire your brain so there's there's you know there's synapses that aren't connected and they have to like tripping acid kind of connects the neurons or the the neural pathways that haven't been connected and really can't be connected any other way like dbt is great therapy is great and like yes we can but what it does is it makes you see it's it's that's it expands your consciousness um, and I say you know I felt like I for 30 years was a houseplant third sitting in a corner of a living room somewhere not, and I've been watered with great education, great parents, great knowledge, you know. And I feel like overnight, like I grew into this huge plant. and like huh. my whole oh yeah, and then like it was you know it was I would give, I mean, if I could have I, I remember crying while I was tripping and saying to the person I was tripping with, I said, "I cannot believe n- nobody did this for me sooner."
0: What were What were some of the thoughts that you were having when you were tripping? Um, he, I
2: had a couple. I had. I mean, well, one of the main things was. Um,
0: or did you go into it with the intention of this type of experience? I had no idea. Oh, okay. like, I had
2: no idea what I was getting into. I knew that he, my father, was like a huge proponent, so I knew that. But you know, uh, it was kind of offered to me at a. a What?
0: You can, if you, you can, you don't have to hold them if you don't don't want, but if you feel more comfortable holding them, that's totally fine. I, uh, no, I, 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 well, I had interest because of
2: this, because of, you know, and, and it's so, it's so, it's becoming more popularized now. And, um, and, um, there are treatment centers where you literally just go and you, you trip there. That's what they do. And like, you know, I, um, I, I was scared though, because, you know, I don't know what, which is funny but like there's no there, it, it is good to have it done you know in a clinic with a doctor I, I obviously 100% recommend that i did not do it that way i don't think i would trip again without doing it in a clinical setting yeah um just because there are there are risks with drugs on the street today with fentanyl and things like that and Yeah. we don't want to you know so you can say go f-, but
0: whatever. you had your own experience yeah yeah
2: i had my own experience but um the thing that really opened the one thing I recall having, like, that was so profound. I I, I remember thinking um, that I had used that I hadn't been using my mind for so many years. Mm-hmm. I had been, because you know I have worked in beauty a lot and I like fashion and like I've had you know I've had a, the wealthy boyfriends and sure the, the old like, oh yeah yeah.
0: Listen then, to that episode. Fancy yeah, guys. Yeah, sorry.
2: That's, yeah. So anyway, I've used, I've sat in salons, you know, getting my hair, to, hair extensions, eyelash extensions, yeah. nails done, all that stuff. But then, like, I realized that I was not, like, I have a great brain. And I was, I realized that, like, I had spent all of this time and women waste all of this time spending you know, like hours, like just, you know, thinking about what the male gaze is and like, you know, thinking about that their uh, perception worth, like based on their is based on their appearance. And like, hell no, like that's not the case. And I've wasted so much time and energy, like trying to, to appeal to the male gaze, because that's what I thought my worth was when it was so and it was a very profound for me, a very, very, very profound um, realization just because, you know focusing on think about it because the Adderall weight you know beauty like it's all the same it all it's all in. it doesn't up- matter it doesn't matter like we are we could die tomorrow. another thing like we could die tomorrow like I I swear to you like I would t- I would give I would take that one night and I would give away all the other days prior and all the days after just for that five hours of a trip Like, I would give all because it was so mind-opening. It was like, and that's what, that's what compass meant.
0: And that's the benefit of doing it in the right way.
2: Yes, and I, yes, exactly. And I was in a very safe, I was in uh, one of my best friend's apartments, and it was gorgeous, and we got to lay out under the stars, and it was, like, you know, really magical and fun. Yeah. But, like, um, this is, I mean, we have people all over this country addicted Uh, to Xanax, Adderall, uh, you know, uh, oxycodone and these, you know, big farmers making all this. No, like the what's and this is funny, but I'm going to say it's like what's of the earth is of the greatest worth. Like there are plants that can help you to make these connections in your brain. And it's just like such a political it's all it's just politics is why th- these we haven't been utilizing these tools yeah follow the money right follow the money that's cuz we we're in America and it's like but like I, I i for me it changed it changed it literally after i tripped acid i now can i will drink sometimes a little bit mm-hmm. but not a lot um you know i am actually on like a low low dose of of Vyvanse which is like which oh. is okay which is okay because I take it exactly yeah. as prescribed it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a 20 milligram that's low 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 mm-hmm. and if you heard my previous podcast you were like, on like
0: 150 uh, a day 200. I was on
2: t- between 150 to 500 it depended on the time in my life but I could never take anything as prescribed after tripping I realized that my purpose in life is not to be a human doing I'm a human being
1: mm. Do you
2: understand so like Everything changed. All these things changed after I tripped, and it was just so... I called my dad at 7.30 in the morning the next day, and I was crying, and I was just like, Dad, like... Dad, what... I mean, anyway, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I just had to add that um, as somebody mm-hmm. who... Um,
0: Human testimonial. I, I mean... And well, this, is, this is to say that that is... Those were the resources that you had at that time. It's going to be more and more commonplace to talk about having controlled areas with professionals who can guide you through this process in a therapeutic way dealing with anxiety with intention and it, the whole thing is intention is making sure that you're going into it with the right people with the right environment and knowing that it's a process it's not just a one-time fix right you know right. but it's it's so It's so interesting to hear you talk about it because that's the experience that I think people see in movies and they see these things, but it's, it can be very real and it can be, you can also have these experiences where you feel nothing except for afterwards you feel a shift you know mm-hmm. it might not be this crazy experience while it's happening
2: it, it wasn't even that crazy of an experience like I wasn't like my like you know when you're drunk and you're you know you're a mess like it you had your like faculties that. about you yeah I mean I was totally like I was just it was just like my brain was making connections and I was like so I have goosebumps talking about it mm-hmm. I, I was I, I was totally like you know it's so, I was, it was, it's actually very sobering.
0: It's Mm -hmm. it's very
2: sobering and it just kind of like allows you.
0: No wonder we're using alcohol because we're using these same neural pathways. We get bored. And so I think when you have these new neural pathways, it allows you to be creative in different ways. It allows you to have energy in different ways that you. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm.
2: it's everything. I mean, like it, it just, and I mean, I don't know, it's just so important for people to be open be mm-hmm.
0: open-minded and not and the thing is you don't have to be open-minded and say okay well it's friday at 1245 i'm gonna go trip acid no. it's it's being open to having this as a new form of therapy exactly it, it's it's not a matter of the conversation isn't saying are psychedelics good or bad it's can they be used in a way that can have benefits in therapy
2: yes exactly and and, so and cool. they can and the world is coming to realize that and that's what my dad is working on and i just like love him so much for doing it
0: well we're gonna have the information in the show notes and where can people find you what's the best email and instagram for people to message you if they have so, questions if you have sorry
2: to interrupt no. if you have questions or you want to talk to speak with my father i am his uh, makeshift assistant. Um, and if you want any involvement in the company that he is working on currently, um, Compassmentis Mentis Medical, which actually means Compassmentis, Mentis, I think it's Latin for having control of one's mind, uh, semicolon sane. So I love that. But anyway, if you want any involvement in the business or you want to speak to me or my father, Dean Porter, you can reach um, me uh, on Instagram at facer chaser f-a-c-e-r-c-h-a-s-e-r and my email is chaseporter porter 1989 at gmail.com we would love to hear from you
0: amazing thank you guys both so much for everything this thank was you. so fun thank you eliza Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. I know that that was so much amazing information, testimonial, feelings, emotion, but also fact. And that's what I love about this podcast is that we can have stories and we can have facts. You can learn and you can be entertained. It is all good things. Thank you again, Dean Porter and Chase, for coming on the podcast. If you want more information, please click on the show notes and you'll get those there. And also if you haven't already done so, the freest, easiest, simplest, quickest way to support the podcast is by heading to Apple Podcast, clicking follow, scrolling down and giving us five stars. If you gave us five stars but then you have an extra ten seconds, leave us a review let us know your favorite part of this episode or just what you like about Hotter Than Hell in general. I would appreciate it. It is like or it is seen it is felt it is really appreciated make sure you're subscribed share this episode with a friend who's into psilocybin who's into modernization of the medical industry and who's just wants to hear a good episode thank you so much for listening we will be back with another bomb ass episode next thursday